Hello, and welcome to Fishman Radio. I'm your host, Sonny Rossano, the Director of Academics of Fishman, and I'm joined by Alexis Dorman, Director of the African Union Peace and Security Council and author of the Neocolonialism in Africa Background Guide. Would you like to introduce yourself, Alexis? Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Alexis Dorman. As Sunny said, I'm the director of the African Union Peace and Security Council at Fishman 44, and I'm very excited to be here talking to you all today. Awesome. So before we get into the nitty gritty, um, in order to get you to know Alexis a little better, I have a bit of a get to know you question for Alexis. Uh, Do you prefer hot weather or cold weather? Um, definitely hot weather. I grew up in Orlando, so not super used to the cold being in Tallahassee at Florida State University now. Um, it's already too cold for me. I don't know how I would be able to survive, um, up North anymore. Definitely. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine shoveling snow or having to deal with any of that. That sounds like way too much work. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get right into it. So uh, first off, can you just explain what neocolonialism means? Yeah, so the Oxford definition of neocolonialism is the use of economic, political, cultural, or other pressures to control or influence other countries, especially those that were former dependencies. So the interesting thing about this definition is it doesn't have to be a forceful overtaking of a a place to be considered neocolonialism. It can be indirect and can even, you know, sustain after something is considered, you know, a colony. With that in mind, how does neocolonialism actually work in practice? Yeah, so neocolonialism works not by the colonizing power using actual force or what we would traditionally consider as violence to control the actions of another state, but by the the colonizing power putting another state in a position so that their survival as a state is entirely dependent on the systems established by that colonizing power. So an example of that would be the complete control over the raw material exportation in Africa by the colonizing powers in Europe taking over the raw material exportation in Africa, you know, decades ago, it uh, created this system in Africa where the only thing that, you know, nations and states in the continent, um, thought they were able to do was export these raw materials. And the only place that they could, you know, export them to were the colonizing powers in Europe, making them dependent on European imports and things like that for their um, survival. It seems like kind of the last vestiges of uh, mercantilist uh, economics in the uh, colonizers and the colonizees. Would you say that... uh, neocolonialism played a big role in the current uh, situation of Africa, namely that uh, we see a lot of underdeveloped uh, economies in the region? Absolutely. Um, Neocolonialism is effectively the reason for a lot of, almost all of the underdevelopment in Africa, from education to the patriarchal system that you see in a lot of states in the continent, and their continued uh, lack of economic development and industrialization. Uh, Still today, the exportation of raw materials is the um, 
the sole way that, you know, a lot of states in Africa are able to make their money, but that wasn't always the case. Pre-colonization of Africa, um, you know, African states were developing at the same rate as the rest of the world. Uh, They were, you know, building things. There were people who were selling and trading, but when um, the Europeans came in, they changed those systems and kind of reworked the social structure of the continent, which really did lead to the lack of development that we see today. Um, In Africa, uh, pre-colonization, there was also a matriarchal system in a lot of places in place. It wasn't until the Europeans came that we saw, you know, the suppression of women and the traditional, you know, family setting that we um, we see in, in Africa today as well. And same thing with education. Um, education pre-colonialism was really focused on um, life skills and technical skills, preparing people for work. But when the Europeans came, they transformed that to an entirely literary education system, which, um, you know, wasn't really beneficial at the time, and even still, you know, doesn't prepare students uh, for real life um, beyond education, um, you know, which which harmed the development in Africa in the long term. And all of these things are, you know, they've progressed with um, time, but the reason that Africa hasn't developed in the same ways that like the Western world has is because they were exploited for so many years. And while Europe was able to progress into, you know, the Western and progressive systems we see today, Africa never had that opportunity because they didn't have the chance to develop at the same rate. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. And I think uh, another fact that kind of worsens the the um, situation uh, in Africa is that Africa African nations were some of the last uh, places to be granted independence uh, you know given a lot of British colon I mean India got it uh, 10 years before a lot of the British colonies in Africa started getting independence so I think that just further extrapolates the issue. Uh, thank you for such a great response. Uh, so what has the United Nations done to try and curb this issue? Yeah, so the United States, uh, United States, the United Nations has established the Special Committee on Decolonization, which fosters dialogue between administering powers, advocates for the complete decolonization of states, and aids in the developmental process post-colonization. And we've seen a lot of success with some of the things that the United Nations has done. Um, On one hand, African states across the continent have gained their independence and are now able to adopt their own systems of doing things. They're able to govern themselves and preserve their culture in ways that couldn't be done while, you know, colonial powers were still in charge. But on the other hand, there are a lot of places in Africa that are still developmentally behind the rest of the world, which we discussed in the last question. And there is still that European influence in a lot of places in Africa that is hindering the development of um, the states. So for all of our delegates listening in, I'm sure they're going to ask the same question. Uh, Is there a solution 
what can the member states of the AU do to try and resolve this issue that seems so pervasive among the continent? Yeah, there's absolutely a solution. And I guess the easiest way to put it is that we need to be breaking away from the colonialist system. So that's, you know, working to diversify the economy. Uh, It's okay to continue exporting raw materials, but there's a lot of other, um, you know, things that states in Africa can do to be more self-reliant, right? Um, Agriculture, so that you're not having to import crops from other places, Um, you know, developing your own education systems, you know, working to make progress against the the gender inequalities and racial inequalities in the areas um, across Africa, and then also addressing some of the health disparities. So, um, the infectious diseases that are, you know, pre- pretty widely known amongst the UN community as being like, you know, issues in Africa, like HIV and AIDS, Ebola, cholera. Um, these are all things that can be addressed. And it's working with, you know, different UN agencies and as the African Union Peace and Security Council to really address each individual issue and and rewrite the future of Africa. Wow. Well, thank you for such great insight and such uh, thoughtful responses. Uh, I'm sure all of the delegates appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, with that, that concludes our um, African Union uh, Fishman Radio episode. So thanks again, Alexis, and we hope to see you next time.